talk to me about the expenses. So, you know, I'm an accountant. What what does it take to run this kind of business? How much money do I need to get started? Let's do the average uh, 60K to get started, right? Okay. But again, if I knew what I knew, 2020 hindsight, right? Business funding and all this stuff that people are like giving business credit classes. I would have done business funding all day of the week, twice on Saturday. Right. So I, <laughs> I told you I lost like 60, 70K. Up front. Not knowing. Yeah. But I would have rather that I just been the business funding rather than money out my own pocket. Right. Welcome to Black Wealth Weekly Podcast, where you can find different guests being interviewed by me, Shaniqua Nicole, the Millennial Money Maven, every single week, where we will be breaking down how they got into their respective industries and are creating wealth for their families. You don't want to miss an episode, so hit the bell and tune in. What's up, family? Welcome to this week's episode of Black Wealth Weekly. I'm Shanique Nicole, the Millennium Money Maven, and your host this week, joined by the healthcare entrepreneur. What's going on, King? How are you? What's going on? I'm good. How are you? I'm, yes. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you for coming on. Uh, please introduce yourself and tell the people who you are and what you do. Definitely. My name is Hans Fakia. I am known on Instagram as the healthcare entrepreneur, but my IG is actually the solopreneur. So what I do is I help people start ambulance companies and home health companies. So I try to erase the thought that to be in healthcare and to make a lot of money in healthcare that you got to be a doctor or a nurse practitioner or something like that. So that's the whole reason I'm here and that's what I do. Got you. How long you been doing that? I've been doing this since 2017. So I own my own ambulance company in 2017. Okay. And then just naturally, I just, if somebody had a question, I would help them. Yeah. Like, Yo, how do I do that? So right. I help them. Now I started making it a business last year. I'm like, yeah, I've been helping so many people. Like, let me just the teaching teach. Yeah. Let me put this thing on on video and try to get it to the masses. Right. I love it. So you've owned an ambulance company since 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, what has you know, what has that business been able to do for you over the last five, seven years? Oh, man, it's just allowed me to touch people and reach people that I never thought I could. You know, what I mean, but it wasn't really about um, what it's done for me in the material sense. It's like what it's done for me, like spiritually mm. like to be able to be a part of somebody's family and transport them you know um i tell this story all the time i told it on david chance like both my parents was on the house you know what i mean so when i tell people i do this no i really do it right you know what i'm saying so when when i speak to a social worker it's like no nah, i don't want to try. I, like i do this the same right this is not just business no nah, it will never be like, right i tell my employees you take care of the patients the business will take care of you mm. you know what i mean and that's how that's how i live by it. like it ain't really like what it's done for me it's propelled me financially, yeah, but that's because I took care of what I had to take care of. Gotcha. You know I mean? so, yeah. So um, you started an ambulance company in 2017. What made you even decide to start an ambulance company? I worked for the fire department. Okay. And I was like, outside of just loving being with my brothers in the fire department, I don't like people being in control of my future. And typically, um, you know, you see a lot of ambulances that are like, the county fire department ambulance. Mm. So what you do is totally separate. That's like the private sector and the public sector of ambulance business. Exactly. So okay. You got the government sector, right? And then you got the government sector, which is the fire department. Okay. So a lot of fire departments, some of them will have an ambulance attached to it. Because 90% of calls, when you're in a fire department, 90% of the calls are medical. Mm. So you'll see that fire truck there, but 90% of the time, that ambulance that's attached to that fire department is gone, right? And then you got the private sector, like a grade. They don't have their own ambulance service. Oh, gotcha. You see what I'm saying? And then we are like private as well, but we'll still have all the equipment 
that the Grady's or the fire department has. Okay. You know what I mean? Because we still have to respond. Even though we just cater to like somebody who's going to dialysis or wound care, you know, we go after yeah. those people. We don't have to respond to 911. But if I had a truck that was out right now and they saw like somebody in a car accident and there's nobody else there, they have to stop. Like legally, they, have to they stop. as in my ambulance company would have to stop. For render oh, really? Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. So tell us, I guess, about, um, you know, what are the responsibilities of owning an ambulance company? So talk to us about the non-emergency part. Right. I know you transport people that are in non-emergency situations. But outside of that, what are you know, what emergency situations um, are you guys required to, you know, to respond or answer to? You could have some of your uh, government officials or somebody who's in charge of your county call you and say, hey, COVID is around. The government, uh, the fire departments are running thin. Can we put you guys as a backup? Mm. So we could do that, but we don't respond necessarily to 911. Like 911 is never going to call my phone and say we got an emergency. Gotcha. So we don't do the emergency stuff. Okay. So most of the things that we do are scheduling routine. Okay. And I'm just taking your mom or somebody who can't walk, Mm. who the doctor deems needs to be on a stretcher. Mm. So they need to be on a stretcher and I'm taking them to an appointment that they have to get a procedure done. Okay. So that's why... A lot of companies hone in on dialysis because that procedure has to be done every third day. Gotcha. So typically you're taking someone and a doctor told me this, a nephrologist, kidney doctor told me, you were, your responsibility is so huge because how are you? If you don't mind saying, what range? 30 something? I'm in my 30s. Okay, cool. Have you ever had a life-saving procedure done? Life-saving? No. Okay. So somebody who's on dialysis has a life-saving procedure done every third day. Mm. That's how big the responsibility is that I have on my soul. Mm. So that's how big that my employees, that's how big the responsibility is that my employees have to know we have to be on time. Because this ain't no like, I'm just taking this person to get their blood pressure checked. No, that dialysis, like, if they don't get this, and they can, you know, die. Yeah. So you're, you're, and the doctor had to make me realize how important my job was. Right. I knew, but then again, you sometimes will take it for granted. Mm hmm. You know, this is serious. Right. And so, um, not deemed 911, but what we do is very important. Gotcha. So, have you have ever had any emergency situations happen while you guys were en route, you know, and, and like, how, how do you prepare for that, that kind of stuff? Training. You got to make sure that your employees know that they never get complacent. Yes, we have people that we've gone to go pick them up and they're, you know, in going into cardiac arrest or something like that. Or you become so... Uh, you become so much of the family, uh, part of the family dynamic to your family, your patients, yeah. that they call you rather than calling 911. So you're like, <laughs> oh, you hang with me and call 911, but you still got to go and respond. Mm. Or you have family members that will let you have access to their house and you get there and the, the patient's not breathing. Mm. So now you're doing CPR and you're calling 911 as backup. You know what I mean? So there's different scenarios, but it doesn't happen as much. But people just got to keep in mind that when you're dealing with certain uh a certain group of people, whatever procedure they're taking is not there to get them to feel better. It's just there to keep them alive. Right. So there's really, you know, the mortality rate decreases a lot for people that's on dialysis. Gotcha. So you're there to make sure that they're, you notice the signs every time you transport them and you're making sure that when you're with them, they're in the best health that you can provide. And when you take them home, they're in that same best health. Gotcha. So um, I know you mentioned dialysis as like one type of patient that you can get Mm -hmm. where like where do we find like if I wanted to start an ambulance company, which I do. I already told you. (laughs) 
Well, we're going to get me going. If I wanted to start an ambulance company, you know, I've never been in the medical space. So first, let me just tell you this. Um, we, we started talking about this a little bit off camera. When I was a child, I wanted to be a doctor. Had trauma. I saw someone get shot when I was like five, literally passed out, went into the hospital. So it was like non-emergency, you know what I'm saying? But I have asthma, went into asthma attack and I had shock. Mm. So um, I was just able to almost play. You know, I wasn't sick. I didn't have to be, you know, uh, tied to my bed or whatever. So I was able to help the nurses and help the doctors. So that little seed put in me when I was a kid that I want to be a doctor. And then I got grown and I realized that you have to go through like eight years of school, four years of residency and all this money that you got to spend. So I was just, you know, I just, I kind of talked myself out of being a doctor and the literal words that I told myself was like, I don't want to be a 30 year old just finishing college. And now I have cousins that are doctors and I'm like, you know, I love that for them. And I I really wish I would have had somebody, you know, just push me to go in that direction. But now that I'm a businesswoman, I realize that I don't even have to be a doctor to be in the medical space, to make money in medicine, uh, which is a recession proof business, which I love. So I'm an accountant by trade, which, you know, I don't you don't know a lot about me, um, but I'm an accountant by trade. And um, I love recession-proof businesses. And so the idea that medicine's never going anywhere and the medical field is always going to be here, and you're almost backed by the government, right? Yeah. Um, because you get paid through Medicare. Medicare, Medicaid. We get paid through private insurance, Humana, Cigna, whoever. But what you said was key because that's how my goal. Like, I think that's what God got me here for, right? It's like to teach people because like you, my dad was a respiratory therapist, right? My sister's a nurse. I've been in the uh, ambulance business, right? Myself, my private sector. I've worked for the fire department. I worked in uh, in the ER, mm-hmm. and I've worked in a um, in uh, urgent care. But there's a there's certain levels, right? So like, I'm just a patient caretaker, right? We at the bottom of the totem pole, right? Or if I'm an EMT, I'm like right above that person, right? And then you got the <laughs> medic who's right above me, and then you got the nurse, and then when the doctor comes in, everybody goes, oh, like God just walked in, right? So now I'm like. All right, this ain't for me. Mm. But now I'm talking to doctors and they work for me. And I don't have a degree. I dropped out my second year of college. Wow. You know what I mean? So it's like my thing is to change the mindset, especially with minorities, where we have this like hierarchy thought process that, you know, to be this way in the medical field, I have to go to school. In anything. Like thousands of dollars of student loans. And I'm like, yo, yo, you don't even have to do that. I feel like, you know, we're taught, we're always taught, number one, we're taught that we have to be better. You know, I know even working in the corporate, I worked 15 years, 10 years in corporate and um, on, on Wall Street. And it was like, in order for you to get the promotion and get seen and all these things, you have to be better than the other person just because you're black, right? So that's like paying a black tax. Um, yeah. But... You know, like you said, what I realized is that I don't even have to be a doctor. I don't have to have a degree to be in this medical space. So talk to us a little bit about, um, you know, what made you really go all in, like in this space and and how somebody like me can get in if I'm not an EMT, you know, and know nothing about this space at all. Well, what made me get in, my dad was on dialysis, like I said, right? So he lasted like 15 years. Mm. Blessing. Wow. But I remember um, when I left the fire department, I just hated the fact that somebody controlled my every, like my future, right? I was one of the first black firefighters in Henry County to be an arson investigator and or go to arson investigating school and uh, inspections. But there was no blacks in that area. Mm-hmm. Don't know if they were letting us in or not. So when I came to Henry County, it was like, 
I just came from Miami, you know, and I'm doing mortgages, making eighty some thousand a year back in 2004. Well, I was pretty good, right? Right. So I come to Georgia, and I'm making thirty five. I'm like, oh, killing me. <laughs> so every time somebody pay me, they looking. I'm looking at that check like, this is really what y'all think of me. Mm. You see, what I'm saying. And then it was like, uh, I need to go on vacation. Well, you ain't got no more time. You got to swap with somebody. Mm. Or I'm sick. You ain't got no more sick time. I don't got, I know I got, I don't See, have no, but I'm still sick. This is what I never understood. This is your business. This is your, you know, if you're the manager here, you find somebody to, to, to fill in this time when I'm trying to take Listen, the time. It, it don't matter. Like, and, 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 and you know what the funny thing is, when I first came out, I sent my video, my masterclass to firefighters because I didn't want to be too aggressive with my, my um, thoughts and I didn't want to offend them. But they're like, bro, you hit it on the head. Mm. When I talk about, I worked in every sector, government, the um, um, private sector, which is like corporate, right? And then the entrepreneurial sector. And I always explain to people with the government sector, if I want to be a lieutenant, I got like 300 other firefighters fighting to be a lieutenant. Oh, wait, you got to wait till a dude dies right. or retires. And I'm like, okay, cool. Not happening. <laughs> and it's like, you got to wait for this person to come back so you can schedule your vacation. Like, how are you going to tell me when I can spend time with my family? Like, right. It's just so many limitations. And your creativity and your ideas was like capped. Mm. And it's like, it's it's just, it wasn't for me. Yeah. So I left the fire department in 2015, really with nowhere to go. I was just done. Mm. I'm like, I'm out. Just got married. Just got a house, baby on the way. I was like, if I'm going to roll the dice, I'm going to roll it on myself. Wow. Plus, I had experience with my dad being on dialysis. I remember one time he um he had uh, low oxygen saturation, right? So everybody's oxygen saturation is basically how much oxygen is in your blood. Right. The lower it gets, the more discombobulated you are. Mm-hmm. So he had, at that point, needed an ambulance. I hooked him up with somebody I knew had an ambulance. They were so late that my dad waited over an hour and a half like for them to come. Mm. And my dad's an old Haitian, like prideful dude. So he's like, I'm not doing this no more. Right. I don't care if they're your friends, blah, blah, blah. I'm not doing it. Right. So one time he drove and my dad probably stayed all the 10 minutes from the dialysis. Mm. And he was so disoriented. He drove to another county. So he couldn't even remember how to get 10 minutes from his house. Wow. And he called me and my mom's like, yo, your dad didn't make it home. You're like, what? I called him. What? Like, where are you? He said, I don't know how to get home. And I said, pull over. And I asked him, what do you see? He saw a sign that said like a barbecue spot. So I called one of my homeboys. I was like, yo, my dad's lost. He's like, yo, your dad's like an hour and change away. I'm like, done. What? Because, and all they had to do was call him and say, hey, we're running late. Right. But, you know, when people notice how much money you can make in ambulance, they forget the like the humanity the people part, side. Of it, like the caring part. So I was like, you know what? I'm gonna do my due diligence. I started calling around social workers. I'm like, if there's anything that's missing in the, this ambulance business, what is it? And people like customer service and honesty. Like, mm. You can't take a patient. Just say you can't take them. Don't try to squeeze them in your schedule because you want to make more money. Right. All right, cool. That's an easy fix. So all I'm gonna do is focus on that customer service. And being straight up with people. Right. I'm running five minutes late. Let's, we're going to tell people because everyone wants to feel whole, right? Yeah. You don't want somebody who already feels like their independence is taken away from them because they're medically disabled. Yeah. You know, my dad being a private person, the last thing you want to do is take that away from them too to respect. Right. I'm just treating them like a person. Absolutely. So all I had to do was add those two and then I just became successful. Mm. Plus, when I left the fire department, I used to do taxes. Okay. And so I would pay all like during tax season, you know, you got that little window. Oh, right? I love tax season. You already know. <laughs> so, one tax season, all I did was pay all my bills in advance, like for the year. 
I didn't have nothing to do. I'm sitting home playing PlayStation. I'm married at the time. My wife's like, yo, you gotta find something else. <laughs> so I'm on Facebook, I see my homegirl, she got an ambulance shirt on. I'm like, yo, where you work at? She was like, she she said the company. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna go through. She's like, yeah, they need help, but they only got one patient. Mm. Of course, I told you I was doing mortgages in Miami. So my whole background is marketing. You know, um, with taxes, it's marketing. Right. Mortgages is like if you don't sell, you ain't making money. Absolutely. Doing someone's taxes, you ain't eating. So you're not eating. So I went over there, they had one patient. I was like, look, let me help y'all get more patients. Just break me off, right? And so in one in three months, I'm gonna go from one patient, which is equivalent to five thousand a month, okay. to twenty. Mm. Right in three months. In three months. So five thousand a month times twenty is a hundred thousand dollars a month. There you go. So the community in EMS is so big. With like, one truck? No, nah, they they grew. They had one truck at one time, and then by the time. But you can make a hundred thousand dollars a month with one truck. No, no, no. no. Okay, okay, they okay, had one okay. Truck, but then the more I got impatient, the more money came in. They was like, "Oh, we're gonna get another." They were another, able to another. expand. Yeah, they were like four or five trucks. They was killing it. Mm. Then somebody else hired me. They're like, yo, we heard what you did over here. Can you do that? Right. With us. And I was like, yeah, cool. They paid me more. I did it with them. Then a third person hired me and they was like, could you do it for me? I was like, no, nah, I'm really looking for a partnership. Right. And he's like, nah, but I'll give you your own office. I'll do this. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. Right. I'm always weary about somebody who doesn't want you even saying like they do. Mm. So I was like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm going to start my own. So I bought my own truck. It was a piece of crap. It was 5K. <laughs> but I ran and, and you know, it, it was horrible. Um, but no one taught me. That's right. Another reason. Like, it was like such a competitive. And I, I went into the mindset of, like, we don't have to be this competitive. You don't see chiropractors battling each other. You yeah. Doctors saying, oh, that's my patient. Like, it ain't that serious. Just, uh, last time I checked, it's um, 10.5 million people in Georgia. Like, we good. Right. You know what I mean, so nobody wanted to help me. I spent thousands, like 60,000, because nobody wanted to teach her. Right. 60,000 doing what? Buying the wrong truck. Mm repairing it you know just not understanding the flow and then people say i'll teach you pay me and no one did mm. I said, when i get in it i'm gonna i'm gonna just go in it with a different philosophy i'm gonna go in it with a different mindset i'm gonna help you put on i'm gonna get on and one of the reasons i did that is because when i started my tax business this young lady who passed away at 33 of breast cancer nick nicole she helped me that's my name that's my nickname nick oh, nicole yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. It is. She helped me when I was getting started. And I asked them one time. I was like, her and her husband, they came to my office. They set up my office. They did everything. Told me what software to get, tax lay, and a whole lot. Right. And I was like, Nicole, let me ask you a question real talk. Like, why are you helping me? You're on the competition. She's like, what God got for me, you can't take it. Right. That was back in 2008. She said that that was something I lived by now. Yes. So I realized the more I helped, the more I'm blessed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like, I never worry about it. Like, I'm my own competition. Right. So tell me, why Why do you think people um, feel the need to be so competitive in this space? Like, why, why is it a competitive industry? I, I've been doing a little research and what I've seen is that it seems like a nice person's business, right? So like I've been an entrepreneur for like the last 15 years and, you know, I'll agree with you that entrepreneurship is kind of anything, right? Even corporate America, it's like almost dog eat dog. Like you got to crap on the next person to get ahead or, you know, people just be real. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just not a loving space. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
but in this space, what I what I what I've been finding and, and seeing is that back in the day, you know, people that used to come into this space were like nice people. They wanted to provide a nice service. And now more entrepreneurs are coming into this space. Do you think that is what's causing it to be, you know, seem like it's it's so much competition or, you know, because I really felt like this is such a nice people, nice persons business. Like the people in this business love people. They like to help. They want to serve their community. That's what I was getting. Not everyone, of course. Not everyone. But I think, I can't explain why people think that way. I think they always think that it's not enough. Mm. Because I think us culturally, we see something that we'll take it and make it our own. That's what makes us so unique. Right? But um, I think people are changing a little bit more from that uh, mindset of like the crab in the barrel mindset. Yeah. I mean, but there are still some of those that, um, that try to keep things to themselves. Mm. I feel like there's so much for everybody. And I, I try to be the example, like even when I post my page, and so like even when you get your ambulance, I don't know if, see, if you see my Instagram, I'm, I'm like always giving props to the next guy's ambulance. Like, yo, if you want a job, if you want this, guy. but because there's so much room out there. Yeah. Right? And so I won't even focus on why people are doing what they're doing. I just focus on what I'm doing. Like, gotcha. I can't understand why you think the way you think. Like, yeah. It's you. You know what I mean? There's so much more and if you're doing the right thing again. It, it, the key to this analyst thing, I'm going I'm to tell you the key to business, period, to be successful. It's just do the right thing. That's it. It's like people ask me, like, what's the blueprint? Do the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, like ain't, it ain't that serious. It ain't. It, it can't be that not, easy. It's not. No, it is. I've been doing the right thing my whole life and I ain't rich yet. It is the. It is. <laughs> I tell you this: if you do the right thing by your customers with your tactics, right? And some of the things is like just calling people back, right? I guarantee you that goes well, right? Because that's what they want. Yeah. So doing the right thing in EMS, I may make it sound easy, but it, it really is. It's like calling someone saying, "I'm gonna be here five minutes late." Calling someone and saying, "Hey, I noticed today's your birthday." Like those are the things mm. that you would want. Somebody so to let do. let's get into a little bit about the operations of of, um, of an ambulance company. Is there any kind of way that, you know, you've introduced technology like this? This business has been around for a long time. Um, did you come in and try and make it your own or is it like, you know, you just come in and have to adapt to what is? You should always like I think when people have the blueprint, just figure it like, you know, copy the blueprint. Right. Yeah. So they say that successfully. These clues. For sure. Footprints or whatever. So you do that and then you add your own niche to it. Okay. I don't think I did anything special besides adding more customer service element to it. And because that's what they told me was missing. Right. So. And how'd you do that in particular? um, Do a monthly like call on all my clients and a monthly call on all my employees. You see what I'm saying? Don't forget someone's birthday. Be present when they ask you to come to a funeral. You know, come by and just talk to your Dallas people and sit with them. You got to feel like like a lot of these people can't work because they're going to Dallas three times a week. A lot of them are alienated by their family members. So, again, it's the simple little things. Mm. Like I got this one dude who has an ambulance company, and his lady had to come downstairs, and it was always like a hazard. He built her a ramp. Mm. Those are the little things that people got to understand. Like, that's what you call doing the right thing. Right. You know what I mean? And so it's the right thing for your employees because you're, you're eliminating or minimizing the possible injury. And it's the right thing for your, your patients. So, look, I'm going to go the extra step to make sure you make it back and forth, even when we're not here safely. You know what I mean? So I think that is just the key to it, right? Building that kind of foundation. So then you add your own little element. I've taken ideas from people. I'll go to the Dallas Center and see somebody like bring their patient 
like a comforter or, you know, the throw rugs, but it has that logo on it. I'm like, yo, that's tight. Little marketing. I'll call my person like, yo, we need to, <laughs> you know, which I'm always like trying to learn different things. Yeah. Add my little style to it. Right. But yeah, so it's, it's just taking what you know. And then if you find a way to streamline things and add technology to it, cool. And then try to share that with other people. You right. Know what I mean? So, so they could probably add in and make that company better. Gotcha. So tell me this. You walk into a dialysis center or a clinic, and what do you say to who to get customers? I don't know. It's different. Like, if you, like, just being transparent, if you like, you know, like, oh, you look good today. Like, you just got to be a people's person. Right? right. And then you got to also separate the that part. So you don't go in salesy with like a pamphlet. Hey, I'm I'm from Everybody Best Care that. Services. That's the first thing you thought, right? Right. So how many times do you think they hear that? Right. So if I come to you and go, look, I heard you got a podcast. I need to be on your podcast. You're like, wow, I don't know you because I'm the best. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to do that. You're going to smile and now we're going to feel like there's a report here. Right. Right. And so there are going to be social workers or front desk people that don't want you to smile. They don't, I don't know what's going on. They're like, can I help you? Right. Like, yeah. You know, like, <laughs> I just want to tell you about my thing. Well, leave your pamphlet. Who else can I talk to? Right. You know what I mean? Because I'm not going to let you just stop. Is there a social worker here? Cool. Can I buy them lunch? So one big thing is we do the lunch and learn. Right? So everybody wants something for free. I don't want to just go out there with my hand out. I'm going to give you all something. So I'm going to go there with marketing materials. I'm going to go there with pens, uh, mouse pads, candy, you know, jars of candy with my logo on it. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get your attention. And then at the same time, I'm going to invite you guys to have lunch with me while I talk to you about my business. Because mm. I'm going to buy lunch for the whole staff. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. That's what you do. Right. And then that's how you get your foot in the door. Gotcha. And then you just convince them to give you one patient and you do right by that one patient. I guarantee you that patient's going to get you patients. The social worker's going to get you. Like, yo, because they get it all the time. So it's like taxes, right? When you and I join taxes, I'm pretty sure that thought went into your head like, so many tax businesses out there. But there's always somebody looking for in your accountant. There's always someone who just graduated from college and don't want their parents doing their taxes anymore. Right. You know what I'm saying? There's yep. always going to be that new person. So mm-hmm. I just try to feel like, how can I cater to this person? Right. And what's going to set me aside from y'all? So it sounds like you're all about relationship building. Gotcha. Yeah. Because yeah, that's the same social worker that's going to look out for you when you run it late. Mm. Or that's the same social worker that when your patient is not happy with your services, they're going to tell you, Give look, this is good. Like, stay with them. Nobody else is. Yeah, I love it. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Got you. I love that. This week's episode is sponsored by ABCs for Rich Kids by seven-year-old author and entrepreneur Bryce Nicholas. Please tell us where we can find your book. ABCsforRichKids.com Awesome. This book is so amazing, guys. It literally goes from A to Z with different financial terms for your little loved ones. Awesome. So we've got F is for future value. E is for evaluation. H is for air. Guys, if you do not have this book, the Amazon number one bestseller, please go and grab it now at abcsforrichkids.com. So I'm not EMT. I'm not a medic. I don't do anything in medicine. Where do I start? You start by taking my master class. Okay. I know, but <laughs> I want to tell people this, and I, I'm going to use this platform to say this. Before you start anything, before you invest in anything, find out what the rules are in your state. Okay. And find out how difficult it's going to be. You know what I mean? Because I want you 
to once you find out, because sometimes in certain states, you got to get voted in mm. or you have to have so much capital. You know what I mean? So there's certain things that you have to do to get your EMS license. Yeah. Right. You don't have to be an EMT. You don't have to be anything in the medical field. I urge you to take an EMT class. So at least you'll know as much as your employee. Right. You know what I mean? Um, but that's the first thing I would tell somebody. to do. Go to your state department of EMS. Every state has it. And say, what do I need to do to become or to have an ambulance company? Gotcha. And um, how long did it take from like the thought, right, that you had to actually getting your first truck and, and your first client? I bought my first truck before I even like did anything. Like, okay. One guy that I was trying to use as a mentor, he said, before you talk to me, go buy a truck. And then I'll leave you see truck. But then he was nowhere to be found. <laughs> God said them so you could take some action though. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what I'm looking at. That. Like he's still my guy. Like we talk all the time. And and um and then once I did that, I just like I said, nobody really kind of helped. So it was a learning process. It took me six months. Okay. So the average person is still gonna take six months, even though I'm there. Before you get your first client. Yeah, no, no, no. Well, you could take three months and get licensed with your state. Okay. Right? But it takes another two and a half months to get licensed with Medicare or mm. get your Medicare numbers. Right. But even though you don't have your Medicare numbers, let's say you started and three months later, you got your truck, your office space, you got your employees, you're ready to go. You can start soliciting the people and maybe you'll get somebody from ask you, man. So you can start running. Mm. Even though Medicare will probably be 80% of your income, yeah. you can still run these private insurance patients. Gotcha. Straight pay. Somebody wants to pay you out their pocket. Yeah, so that's what I was going to ask you too. Um, so I know that there is another sector within this space called non-emergency transportation. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where, you know, essentially you can take a patient to the hospital, to their doctor's appointments or whatever, but they're not emergency type. So um, to my understanding, you can use your car, you can use a van or you can use. Yeah. So I want to explain that. Okay. Talk to me. Talk to us about the difference between non-emergency transportation and non-emergency emergency emergency transportation. All right. Cool. I got to get me. You got to reset. Okay. Even though you, like, let's say you start your ambulance company. Okay. You are known in Georgia, in the state of Georgia, you are licensed as an EMS, Emergency Medical Service. But you are doing NEMT work. Okay. Non-emergency transportation. Kind of like what we talked about before. Okay. Right? So you're still taking people to doctor's appointments with the procedure, something that a procedure is being done. Gotcha. You're not going in emergency mode. Okay. Now, some But these are just not regular doctor's appointments. No, not somebody who just wants to get their checkup. You don't get paid for that. Gotcha. It okay. has to be, something has to happen. Like there's got to be a procedure being done. Gotcha. Right? So if you came to me and said, I want to open up a non-emergency medical transportation company, I'm thinking you're opening up a wheelchair service. Right. That's when you're going to take somebody to the doctors for a checkup and mm-hmm. get paid for that. Right? Yep. That's totally different. Like under my ambulance business, I can still run a wheelchair. Under my wheelchair business, I, if I start a wheelchair company, I can't run an ambulance. Because mm. I have to get licensed. They have to be certain equipment. Because you remember what I said, everything that's in my ambulance, you're going to see it at the fire department. You're going to see it at a Grady Hospital. You see what I'm saying? You don't have to have equipment in a, a wheelchair van. Right. You see, so a lot of people, if they open up a non-emergency medical transportation company, they can do a wheelchair van. They can probably have a passenger van. You know, they're going to cater to nursing homes. They're going to cater to people that can kind of walk, can walk, or just need wheelchair assistance. Gotcha. I'm catering to people that, on my wheelchair, yes, I do that. But on my ambulance, you can't walk at all. Mm. And if you do walk, you have to have, like, dementia 
all timers. You have to be a flight risk. Gotcha. Like that. So that way we can get the doctor to sign off that you still need to be on the stretcher. Gotcha. Gotcha. So how, what, what's the difference between the money that you make between each one of those businesses? You make a lot more money with the stretcher because with the wheelchair van in Georgia, Medicaid does not let you build them directly. Mm-hmm. You have to go through a subcontract, the two brokers. which is Logistic Care Southeast Trend, and they're going to take whatever they take off the top. Right. Right. And then they're giving you the rest. So it's not really, the profit margin is not that much. Yeah. Right. You can still make a lot of money with wheelchair if you just cater directly to like nursing homes that need that service. Right. So you can do that. You can broker out to them. But taking somebody to Dallas back and forth and going through Southeast Trend or Logistic Care. You know, or certain companies, I don't want to mention them, like hopefully blew them up. You know, um, you probably won't make that much money. Mm-hmm. Right? So. Yeah. No, that's what I've heard. I mean, I, you know, I've seen people in different Facebook groups saying they only do private pay, right? So you have your wheelchair company and you just focus on getting your private pay clients. Um, and I'm, I'm assuming it's because I think Medicare pay like $35 or something, a leg. So you $35 there, $35 back. Medicaid. 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 For wheelchair, Medicare pays for stretching. Gotcha. Medicaid pays for wheelchair. Medicare, Medicare pays, pays for stretching. But Medicare will let you build them directly. Okay. So they pay like one fifty a rock. And you don't have to go through these. There's not a broker. These brokers. Gotcha. So they'll let you pay them directly or build them directly. You get paid like one fifty to pick somebody up, one fifty to drop them off, and you get paid close to seven dollars a mile to take them back and forth. Gotcha. So you can make anywhere between four five hundred dollars. You know, three to five hundred dollars a trip mm. times that by three times a week, four weeks in a month. You're making close to forty five hundred to five thousand dollars a month. Gotcha. Per patient. Yeah. So would you suggest when you're trying to get patients, um, because I'm sure there, there's logistics that's involved. Mm-hmm. Right. So how many patients is like a decent amount um, or like where, where do you max out your patients per van or per truck? Per truck, you should be running at least seven runs a day. Okay. So make money, right? Seven well, people? Seven months. Okay. So that means that an A trip is taking somebody to something, a B trip is taking them back home. Gotcha. Right? So you want to do at least seven of those for your truck to be profitable. That's been the general rule of thumb. You can do eight, you can do nine. It just depends on how much you want to push your employees, how much you want to push your truck. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. But seven is pretty much a full day, right? If you're running seven patients or seven runs a day and you got five or four trucks, you're doing you're doing very well. Seven patients a day. Or seven runs. Seven runs. So that might that's like three and a half patients mm-hmm. a day, pretty much. So think about it. Three patients. Yeah. I think um back and forth. So that's two runs back and forth. That's six runs, right? Yeah. And another run you're doing, you might be splitting two runs between two trucks. Gotcha. So you're doing seven to eight runs. That's a pretty full day for that truck. Yeah. And that with them three people make fifteen thousand dollars a month. Yeah, it's making more than that. <laughs> I'm just saying with those three, with those three patients that you're running yeah, in that one day. Man. So you make fifteen thousand dollars a month. 12 and 15, yeah. Got you, just from those three patients. And that's one truck. And that's one truck. So you times that by three or four trucks. You do all right. Right. And that's just like you said, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So what about the Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday? Shouldn't you just fifteen thousand dollars a month? So that truck is making close to thirty K a month. For three patients. Well, now it's six patients. Three on one day, three, three on, on one, one day, three on the other day. $30,000. So averaging about 25000 a month. You get four trucks. You're doing life. Mm. You're loving life. Loving it. Talk to me about the expenses. So, you know, I'm an accountant. What what does it take to run this kind of business? How much money do I need to get started? Let's do the average uh, 60 k to get started, right? Okay. But again, if I knew what I knew, 2020 is hindsight, right? 
business funding and all this stuff that people are like giving business credit classes. I would have done business funding all the other week, twice on Saturday. Right. So I, <laughs> I told you I lost like 60, 70K. Up front. Not knowing. Yeah. But I would have rather that have been the business funding rather than money out my own pocket. Right. You know what I mean? I took, I was late on my mortgage three or four hours. Like, I'm determined to get this company started. All like, in. If I knew, you know, then what I know now. Before. Okay. So you're talking about 60K because you want to get two used trucks. Okay. At least. And I always tell people, they say, why two used trucks? Because if you get one truck and that truck's really going, like you got off to a great start. So you get those three patients. But what if that truck has a flat tire? It broke down. Mm, you don't want to displace your patients. No. And okay. if you displace them, there's not a good chance that they might come back. Mm. So, yeah, what happens if something like that does happen and you just can't pick them up? Like, is it my responsibility to try to, you know, yeah, get somebody in there? By any means necessary. And that's why I'd say building an ambulance coalition like I've done. I could call my guy Dre and say, yo, I, can you help me? Right. You know, I build where I tell people all the time, we've had meetings where it's like seven, eight, nine ambulance companies that we talk and we're like, hey, I got a patient all the way by your office. Why don't we swap? Right. And we try to make things easier. Yeah. But I got uh, a good report with so many people. I think I'm the only ambulance business owner right now. And I put this on like just, that can walk into any other ambulance company and I'm good. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I've jumped on trucks for people when they needed help. Right. You know, so. So are you an EMT? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was a firefighter for eight years. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. yeah so gotcha. So I'm not an EMT. Do I need to be one if I want to start this or should I, I consider it? It's only a six week class. Okay. I got a guy who does the classes every two days, like every twice, two times a week, mm -hmm. for six weeks. It's easy. It's just knowledgeable, you know, for you to, you want to know these things. It does two things, right? One you know as much as your employee. So they can never pull the wool over your eyes, right? Mm -hmm. Number two is, what if you have an employee that's not really abiding by your policies, your SOGs? You're not a threat if you can't call that employee and say, you know what? I'm jumping on the truck. I'm going to Uber you home. Mm, you can stay home today. You can stay home today. <laughs> and you know that you got that ability to do it, you're good. You know what I'm saying? Right, so right. I always say that you don't want to use that, but why not have it in your back pocket? Yeah, of you know, course. So, yeah, I love doing that. Got you. So with the 60K, we need two trucks. How much are we paying for these trucks? Or like, let's talk about maybe years, stuff like that. What, what's for a starter person? Like new trucks, almost are like when I first started in 2015, 2016, I mean, 2016, those trucks was like 67, 70,000. Now they're going for like 99. Yeah. And, but the new trucks help with marketing, right? Because the employee sees a brand new truck and they're like, yo, I've had employees say, I've seen your truck and I work for you, mm. you know? But if you don't have that, you don't want to finance it, you know? Because you've got to think, if you get a new truck, you're still waiting three to six months. Right. So you're paying $1,600, $1,700 a month, plus the insurance is with another fifteen for seven to six months mm. till you get up and running. So you need to have some cash reserves. Business funding, business funding. <laughs> And I tell people now, smart money is even if you come out the pocket, right? The business funding will at least pay you back. Right. Now your money is used in reserve. So yeah. There's so many ways now you could do it where you really essentially started this business with nothing out of pocket. Gotcha. So you could get two trucks used for like, you could get a good truck for like 20K. Okay. And then get another one. You know what I mean? Yeah. And are you getting ambulance trucks or are you yeah. just getting a regular truck and turning it into an ambulance? There's companies that do that that buy brand new trucks and they'll refit it to become an ambulance. Mm -hmm. So they'll get a truck from Ford or Dodge and they'll, you know, make it a brand new, legit ambulance for you. Right. Right. Um, How much does that cost? 
That's the $90,000 charge, $99,000. Gotcha. What if I get a used van or truck, right? High like top. That's why I was asking how much yeah. does it cost to like. Yeah, that's probably like 20, about 20000 so You would get a new truck. You could get a really decent truck for like, if you bought a used truck for 10 and spent 20, mm -hmm. you would have just. Might as well have gotten one for 30. Gotcha. Ready to roll, ready to pass inspection. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, cool. So you said don't invest in an old truck and spend $20,000 to rehab it. We should just go and buy a truck that's already I'll fitted. To be an gotcha. Yeah, like, you know, I've never seen a white do that. That's too much money. So if you're going to do something like that and you get it, let's say you get an old Amber, I'd rather you take 10K and buy an old Amber yeah. and take another 5K and get a brand new engine and transmission. Because mm. once you get it wrapped, you and I, the general public's not going to know, unless you're talking about a sprinter, we're not going to know how, what year that truck is. Right. Right. We're not paying attention. So what are some good years? Like, where should we? I've seen anything from like, my first truck was 2005. Well, that's not bad. No. And if I wrapped it now and did it really nice, you wouldn't know. Like, yeah. You would think like, oh, that's a nice truck. Right. But one of my patients loved it because it was a box truck, so it had so much room on it. So. Mm. You know, so there's benefits to getting some of the older trucks. Gotcha. You know, um, you want to stay away from like Ford 6.0, something like that. That truck had like a lot of issues. Um, so again, nobody taught me. I spent 20000 on repairs and ended up selling it for five k Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, <laughs> this is what you learn, right? Right. My job is to relieve the headaches from everybody else. Right. So yeah, I'll tell them wherever you find, like you find something nice for like, under 20, go ahead and spend another three and put a brand new engine in it. Gotcha. And have something reliable. Wow. Yeah. And get two of them. Yeah. So get you two vans. Mm -hmm. um, and then what else you need? Some equipment, you know, and uh, get your, your medical equipment. But every state has different equipment that's, that's required. Okay. So once you call the state again and see if it's even possible for you to do it, you want to get that uh, checkoff list that they're going to give you. And it shows you like, you know, five Band-Aids. 20 guards, you know, it's going to tell you everything. And there's equipment stores online that you could just, I use Dash Medical or BM, BMB Medical Supplies. And okay. Send me all that stuff. Gotcha. Um, you could probably get a little business credit, you know, yeah. float, float some, some, float some of those expenses. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and some of these things you're never really going to use. Again, we do non-emergency transportation, mm. even though we are an ambulance company. Right. So you just have it just because you need it. To, yeah, it'll be expired. Like, it gets, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a you know it's like any other business it's the employees but yeah. outside of the employees it's definitely a hard thing to start but once it coasts you're like man this is too easy right yeah. so how many vans do you own now I have six okay and how do you manage the business like with your employees six vans logistics um, you know what helps you keep the business going well, everything I did was like now, again, trial and error, right? So you would hire someone like yourself to run my office, right? But now I, I learned I don't hire anybody unless they're an EMT. Mm. I'd rather teach an EMT how to run an office than have somebody who's in the office. And if an EMT calls out, that person's just in the office, they're stuck. Mm. So now I call them hybrid employees. So everybody that works for me is a hybrid employee. Okay. So that way I will never have to be there. Gotcha. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. I don't really run it anymore. I just manage it. Yeah. And if I get a phone call, I'll make a decision over the phone. But I don't think I've been in the truck for like six months. Nice. Yeah. How do we get there if we're just starting? What systems and stuff do we need to put in place? Um. Well, everything is on a masterclass. Okay. But like it's specifically, you want to, the masterclass will help you understand everything, right? Instead of, I always tell people that call me, it's like, what's the first step? I'll say, take the class. Not because I'm selling you something, but I just want to have a more educated conversation. So that way we're valuing your time and mine. Okay. Right? Because we can scratch the surface and talk about 
everything that well I have the master class this is for the people oh this okay. ain't for me so, I have the master class already this is well, for the people speaking to them. right speaking to them, right. right so you go on my bio and you um you get the master class but what I want to do is you go on my bio tell me you're interested and then we'll set up a consultation and see if this is the right business for you to okay before you even invest in the yeah master class. so I can answer all your questions um do a, uh, like a 30 minute consultation 15 minute and then we'll say, hey, you know what? You are ready to move. Your state is eligible for you to do this. Gotcha. Then you purchase the class. What states would you stay away from? None, man. Everything's a competition. Everything's a challenge to me, man. Let's go. <laughs> I literally on my way here and I was on the phone with a gentleman who saw my, my last podcast and he's in Canada. Mm. I'm like, let's do it because I just want the challenge. You know, I don't like nobody telling me no anyways. I don't care about how hard it is. Right. We're going to figure out something. Right. Yeah. I love it. Gotcha. So now um, I know you've branched into other facets of medicine. Talk to us about some other opportunities that are available for people in the space. Well, yeah. So now I have a home health. Okay. So again, I'll tell people the simple rule to this whole thing is you find a need, provide a service, right? So when you're dropping a patient off and they have a CNA or LPN at their house, like, yo, Mr. Johnson, why is this person here? I got home health going for mm. I mean, I got home health service. Yeah. And if you find out three or four, five, six more of your patients do it, I'm like, yo, why are you outsourcing this? Let me do this myself. Mm. And now I'm catering to my own patients because I've already built a report with them, right? Right. And then so in January, I have a pharmacy mm. coming up, God willing. That's the goal. Okay. And the only reason is because 90% of the people, not 90%, everybody who's on dialysis or everybody who tra- I transport, they got a cabinet full of medication. Medicine. And so find a need, provide the service. That's it. Find a need, provide the service. I love if it. 90% of your uh, patients need oxygen. That's the need. You just provide the service. Gotcha. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So you just find the logistics. That's it. Where do I buy oxygen? How much does it cost? How much can I mark it up? What is insurance pay for? And done. Right. And it's really, society makes us think it's super hard. Yeah. And it's not. It's not easy, but it's not like impossible. Right. Because if somebody else is doing it, that means it's, it could be done. Yeah. So so tell me a little bit about, you know, who you were before you became an entrepreneur. Even, you know, let, let's maybe even go back to um, how you grew up. Like, did, did you watch people um, in your family? Were they entrepreneurs? Did they work? Uh, where did you develop this work ethic to, you know, just... To say one day I'm done, right? At, at a very pivotal time in your life where you were just getting married, having children, you were just like, I'm done. My parents are both from Haiti. Okay. So they moved to New York when they were young. So that already mindset when you know the history of Haiti, you know that they're very resilient, right? Um, entrepreneurs and and uh, you said um, something, where did I get the mindset or the work Mm-hmm. Those are two different things, right? I know a lot of people that are entrepreneurs, but they don't have good work ethic. Mm-hmm. But I was blessed to get both. So I got my work ethics from my dad, but he went to college, became a respiratory therapist, did the whole nine. I got my entrepreneurial spirit from my mom, right? Because she was the one who traveled the world by fine linens and opened up a store. Mm. She was the one when I was six, she opened up a bakery. Oh, nice. Right? So it was like, Bakery failed. Okay, she's cooking out from her house. Right. You know, or she's selling linen. So it's like, yo, she always had this mentality like, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. You know what I mean? And although it wasn't preached to me, I I saw it. Yeah. So early, when I was younger, I just had that like, man, F this. I'm I'm better than you, you, you. It wasn't like a a cocky thing. It was just like, that's what I had to say to myself. Yeah. Right. If I play in basketball with you, I don't want to know your name. Mm. I don't want to know who you are because I'm literally going to talk about you. 
because I need you to say something to me to fuel me, mm. right? So we, when I was young, like 17, you know, we used to some knuckleheads, man. I was going to school and outside of school, nobody taught me about college, right? My parents wasn't really like, oh, you, what school are you going to? I just graduated. It was happy. So me and my friends, we go in clubs. So were you a bad kid? No, I, <laughs> okay. I, I did my thing, man. You know, sometimes it's like, Lord, let's just get this boy through high school. And we just, you know. I, I think a lot of minority families, not now, I think before, and a lot of people can relate, especially with island families, the parents just taught you to be safe. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And college wasn't like, you got to learn what they learned. And they didn't know about financial aid or college or something like that, right? So I couldn't ever blame them. Like when I grew up, I, I understood that they didn't know yeah. these things, the things that I blamed them for in the past. Yeah. You know, like they didn't really push me to go to college, but they didn't know. You know what I mean? Even though my dad went, it wasn't like, I'm supposed to talk to my son about financial aid and stuff like that. I'm just doing what I got to do to provide for my kids. Right. You know, so for them, it was like, think in the box. You're not really allowed to, because if you think out the box, that might be dangerous. Mm. You know what I mean? And so my parents thought keeping you safe was going to help. Gotcha. Yeah. So. I just hated feeling safe all the time. Yeah, I was doing my thing. Like, you know, I was a regular kid. And, you know, I did things that wasn't right. And I did things that, you know, I just always wanted to think outside the box. So even when I was going to clubs, we were going to clubs like six days a week. It was me and a bunch of group of guys. And we, used to to, we used to go to clubs to fight. We just, <laughs> I mean, we were just like on some regular stupid stuff. Not right? to fight. Yeah, Lord have mercy. Bad. And then so one time I got so tired of going to clubs and paying, I told him, I'm like, yo, I'm not paying no more. And of course, your friends are going to be the biggest skeptics ever. I, N-word, let's see what you're doing to get in the club with fiance. I guarantee you, I'm not going to pay to get, get in the club. So right. Anymore. So I would go to like the biggest reggae club and I'll speak to the promoter. Mm. And I'll say, we didn't have Instagram back then. We had flyers. <laughs> I'll pass out flyers. And I told him I'll pass out flyers for, for free. And I said, the only thing I choose, uh, I'm going to help you. When the college season comes and, and, the, and the attendance goes down, I'm going to help you maintain your attendance. You just got to take Look some out of for my me. suggestions. Yeah. But I will pass out flies for free. I'll promote this like it's my only my only thing to do. Mm. And so that, I got my foot in the door. Right. So when I'm walking past my friends and I'm getting in, I'm like, <laughs> what is it? But, you know, it was just my mentality of, I got to just do better. You know what I mean? Like, my life is crazy short. I'm really one of those people that believe that, Life is super short. Like, I lost both my parents in a year and a half less from each other. Mm, you know, I'm my sorry mom passed away two years ago. I appreciate it. And my dad passed away last year. Wow. And it was like, I tell people, I'm like, man, my thought is like, this ain't going to last, bro. I'm going hard. Right. I hate the times that I'm lazy, but nine times out of 10, I'm going hard. Right. And all I need you to do is just do that one thing and tell me I can't do it. Yeah. All right, buddy, I got you. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I want that. Like, I feed off of somebody telling me I can't do it. Right. And when my friends tell me you can't get into a club, okay. Like, I first started off, I was DJ right next to DJ Khaled. Mm. I went to school with Rick Ross. Wow. Like, he was one year under me. Wow. So it was like, to see them now even propels that fuel. Like, oh, they can do it. Like, right. I, Watch this dude walk home from school. <laughs> I want DJ Khaled with the same energy he has now, have that energy 20 years ago. Right. And in fact, when they was on their grind, I worked at Sprint. I was selling their phones. Like they were my You the third family. person on my podcast that worked at Sprint. Yeah. Sprint, Sprint done bred all the entrepreneurs. <laughs> Sprint was like, if you don't sell that, you ain't getting paid. Period. So you you have to sell accessories. And them cats at Sprint was making 70000 a year. Right. I heard. Grinding. Yeah. And I still... When I went, when I worked this friend, I was going through a bad time before I got a job. Yeah. And my wife was pregnant. 
I couldn't find a job nowhere to do with the gift of gab who could do anything. I swear to you, I could not find a job mm. anywhere. I remember one time crying. I was living at my girl's mom's house. Mm. You know, for a dude, that's like a blow. Wow. This was many moons ago. Right. And somebody put me on with Sprint. And even when I got the interview, I knew, like I tell people, if you don't want me to get the job, don't interview. It's a wrap. Right? But I didn't understand the pay structure. So even with me being unemployed for almost a year, um, I went to Sprint and he interviewed me and said, okay, you got the job. I said, well, I don't really like the way you guys compensate people. Mm. And he's like, okay. You know what great people make? I said, I understand that. And he's like, um, well, what is it you want to do? I said, I got a proposal. Now, this is me interviewing with a guy I never met. Yeah. I said, if I outsell everybody for six months straight, you got to promote me to sales manager. Okay. The dude laughed in my face. He's like, you know, I got hollows here. I got this. And I'm the only black dude. Mm. This is Hispanic and too white. I said, just give me a try. He said, that's a bet. Like, he was eager to take it, not knowing. He, he didn't know who he was talking to. Right. So back then, I would pack up Sprint phones and go to the hood mm. and sell phones because you didn't need good credit. All you need to do is give me $125. I'll get you a phone. So every, I was like, I'll sell it. Everybody. Trick was one of my clients. Trina, Khaled. Like, I was that guy. Right. You know what I mean? So... I became and it's like, person. look, if you ain't coming to me, I'm pulling up. I'm pulling up. I literally went to her. And like, I'm pulling up in my my car, whatever car I had to carry back then. I'm stacked up with phones right. and with my laptop. And I'm I'm doing activating people's phone right on the spot. Wow. I had that credit before. Don't worry about it. Give me $125. Mm-hmm. Your name is. You know what I'm saying? That's funny. You know? And so that been, that's always been my mentality. Like, I don't like people telling me how much I can get paid. Now, I, I got to set that standard. Right. So that took me to becoming a mortgage broker. And and the mortgage broker was a funny thing. My brother-in-law owned like 48 homes. And I was working at the hospital. And um, I had this bull crap job, man, cleaning, sterile, sterilizing surgical equipment. So mm. you see all the bone and guts, and I got to clean it. Oh my seven feet of seven, eight. And I told my sister, I was like, yo, tell Danny to put me on. And he would never put me on. And my sister would be like, yo, my brother's a, like a marketer. Like, you got to put him onto the mortgage business. And one time he called me at seven in the morning. I just put my daughter to sleep. I'm like, what's going on, bro? He's like, y'all need to do the eviction. I was like, I don't know how to do an eviction. He's like, I'm going to show you. I just need you to run to the courthouse. Called my mom. She took care of my daughter. I ran to the courthouse, did exactly what he told me to do. I came back. He tried to give me $200. I was like, no, nah, it's good. He's like, no, nah, I'm paying you. I said, I got paid. Like, you didn't talk me, me something. So since I told him that, it was like, I'm going to put you on. And mm. I started doing mortgages. You see what I'm saying? So it was like, Always just the, like, what's next to me? Like, even with EMS, I opened up the home house and mm-hmm. I want to open up the pharmacy. Yeah. You know, it's like, what's next? Because the time is... Time is ticking. Yeah. And so that was going to be my next question. Um, you know, you've been in this space for some years now. Where do you see opportunity, even if it's something that maybe you're not looking into, but other people can? Where do you see opportunity in the medical space? Well, with, particularly with EMS, I don't want people to just focus on one thing, right? I did. When I got into EMS, I said, I'm going to just be the best guy. And I feel like I want it. But that opened up doors for everything else. Because I tell somebody, once you're really good at something else, you don't have to try to do a thousand other things. Mm-hmm. Those opportunities will come, right? And so once I did dialysis, I realized now I'm doing wound care, right? And so now I'm transporting people to wound care. Now I'm, I got contracts with nursing homes because my name's out there now. Now I'm doing sport events. Now I'm doing, you know, movie sets. Mm. Now I'm picking up people from the airport that are on stretches. So I'm like, 
God, there's so much more revenue. How'd you, how'd you get into all of that? Talk to us about how you can make money with the ambulance outside of medical, because that's what it sounds like. Yeah, so I want people to understand that the medical field, you, when you open up an ambulance company, get that, that thought out your head, right? You're not opening up an ambulance company. You're getting into the healthcare space. Mm. And if you understand that you get into the healthcare space, you'll find out all the things that insurance is paid for and find a need to provide the service. Right. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So why? Wait. I see EMS companies at football games. Okay, well, now I'm going to do that, mm. right? I see EMS companies like transporting people back and forth to the airport. Okay, well, I'm going to do that. Mm. Wait a minute. you telling me you guys pay $250 an hour to have my two EMTs sit at a movie set for Avengers? All right, well, I'm going to do that. Mm. You see what I'm saying? And yeah. They'll you, and they'll hold your company for like three weeks, five days a week, making $300 an hour. So now... You're paying your employees twenty an hour because you want to treat them nice, right? Right. So if I'm getting two fifty an hour, okay, two fifty hour, two fifty an hour to sit on a movie set watch people do stuff. Wow. So I'm gonna call you and her and I'm gonna say, I need you guys to do this. Y'all gonna say yes because you get free food. Y'all chilling. You making twenty an hour to watch people do stuff, right? So now I'm paying you twenty. I'm paying her twenty. That's forty dollars an hour, right? I'm getting paid two fifty. So mm. I'm making two hundred and ten. I'll put the other ten dollars an hour back into my fuel. I'm making two hundred dollars an hour. And a movie days. set is not just one day. No, and then you could tell them, I'm going to do a minimum of eight hours mm. for five days. Right. You're killing it. I made 86000 in six months off of movie sets, and I only did one set myself because I just wanted to see a car get flipped. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it didn't to my employee. I was like, yo, you know, you just start seeing these checks coming up. Right. Because you cater, and now you got different different sources coming to you. So it's all about relationships, it sounds like, because my, my my question will be, well, how do I, who do I even talk to to get on a movie set? Like, who manages that? You know, it's just a whole nother industry. A lot of EMTs already do it. Mm. So they're using them as a plug. Like, who do I need to talk right. to? Right. You know, because they did it big during COVID. Yeah. Like, a lot of my EMTs or EMTs that I didn't know were in movie sets, not only just for the EMT aspect, but to do COVID testing. Mm. You see what I'm saying? So how much now, do EMTs make an hour? Uh, in Georgia, they're making a killer. Well, $19, dollars $19, an hour. Okay. When I first got in, it was fourteen, fifteen. Okay. But because there's so many people doing it, yeah. You know, you got you got to get competitive. Mm -hmm. I was in Florida six months ago, and those EMTs are getting fifteen. Mm. So I was actually just in Florida when, um, what was it? Hurricane Ian just came mm -hmm. and I guess they had the emergency, um, you know, district set up right next to my hotel. So they had all these, uh, all these, um, EMR, um, helicopters coming in and it was like 30 ambulances. So first of all, my first thought was we got to get the hell out of here because this is about to be serious. Yeah. But secondly, I'm like, do you see this money? Talking to my husband, like these are just regular private ambulance companies mm -hmm. and they about to be down here for who knows how long. Hey. How does that situation work out? So again, you want to you wanna focus on different avenues. So once you get your niche, which is the houses home, uh, you know, hospice, whatever that is, because that's going to be a better better to take care of the building right. yourself. Now you you outsource or you go to like AMR. AMR has a disaster relief program. Yes, and AMR, so that's what it was. On, uh, you get on their waiting list and you tell them how many trucks you got available. So you don't want to give away your two trucks because those are taking care of your consistent patients. Right? Yeah. But if you get four trucks and you know that you could give away two and you got two employees that want to make $25 an hour, because mm -hmm. they'll pay you up to $50 to $100 an hour, I think, as soon as your truck leaves. Mm -hmm. They're going to say, hey, we need your truck tomorrow. You guys are going to Florida. And so I posted something where you're just driving in all of them on to standby, but they're getting paid. I know people that made 100K 
a month on one truck standing by. Mm. So if you take two trucks, you make it $200 a month. Wow. While you're still at home taking care of your regular business. Right. So when you become part of a disaster relief program for AMR in different states and they call you, man, again, icing on the cake. I love it. Man, listen, I saw those um, ambulance going down the highway. I'm like, look at all this money. <laughs> and you see it was just different companies. Oh, yeah. All different companies, all different colors, all different branding. Mm -hmm. um, but literally opened my husband's eyes because I had been talking to him about it. But when, when we saw that, he was like, oh, wow, yeah, this is crazy. Um, awesome. Well, I don't want to keep you for too long. I can keep on going and going and going. This is kind of, y'all know I like to make this like my little mini coaching sessions for me because, you know, I be low-key want to start these businesses myself. But hopefully you guys have gotten some good information. Um, but let the people know where they can find you at, how they can follow you, where they can tap into uh, your mentorship. Definitely. So people can follow me at The Real Solopreneur. That's on IG, right? So it's The Real Solopreneur on IG. And then you can go into my uh, bio and you can get access to my master class. I just dropped an ebook, but I'm going to revamp it. So I'm going to redo that. And nine times out of 10, I am going to be the person that you reach out to. So if you DM me, I actually give you my number and we just talk and, and see where you're at with it. Oh, well, that's super fire. I don't know how long that's going to last. I was going to say, I'm shocked. <laughs> right, not, not hanging around these circles. There are people going to help get you together real quick. Because I'm like, okay. But I'm trying because I don't want to be un unreachable. Right. Yo, know, it's such an opportunity to bless other people. Absolutely. So how can I help you do that? So, yeah, I give people my number all the time. I just tell people to respect my time. Yeah. Don't call me late. Right. You know what I mean? Don't mess it up for everybody else. Yeah. You know, and then I'll pick up the phone whenever I can and say, hey, how can I help you? And let's get this thing going. Gotcha. Because the one thing I tell people bigger than getting money is watching your truck go down the road and go, yo, that's my joy. Like, that's crazy. You know, I still get feelings when I see my employees or my mentees driving their own truck. I'm like, yo, that's what's up. Well, tell us what, um, you know, what are some big goals? I know you have your pharmacy that's in the plans. Mm -hmm. um, over the next five years, what do you see for your business um, you want me from to a growth? My master plan, my master idea. I mean, listen, this is how you manifest, right? And, and, and I'd love to come back in five years and you tell me how you double the production of your goals. My goal is to do the three-headed muscle, right? I want to do the home health. So that's it. So my thing is called constant care, my constant health care. So if you go to my website and if you want to check my website out, it's called uh, the constant health care system, right? So I want to create a system. So now I have transportation, which is the non-emergency side, the wheelchair. I got the ambulance, right? I got the home health. So we take care of your home. We pick you up, drop you off. And then my next goal is the medical center with the pharmacy. Right. But the thing is to really grind on these three goals for the next few years, package them and sell them to like a Piedmont or a Green mm. or But you know, you get a 20 million bag. Gotcha. Them, and then I move on to the next project. Gotcha. You know I mean? And yeah. maybe, you know, my next goal is whatever God tells me to just do random acts of kindness. That's why I see myself mm -hmm. like just stopping by somebody's school and paying their tuition. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Doing something weird. Yeah. I love it. Awesome. Well, guys, that's this week's episode of Black Wealth Weekly with this super, super dope guest, Hans. He really dropped a million dollars worth of game on y'all. So make sure you guys tap into him at the Solopreneur on Instagram. Make sure you hit the subscribe button, leave a comment and let us know. Did this episode help you out? Did it bless you in some kind of way? Um, but we'll see you guys next week. Peace.
Thank you for watching this week's episode of Black Wealth Weekly. I'm your host, Shaniqua Nicole, and I hope to see you next week. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, turn on them notifications, and head to blackwealthweekly.com where you can read all the new episodes of these entrepreneurs and so many others.